You are listening to the Manifesting God podcast with your host, Marie Elizabeth. This podcast will uplift and thrust you into the manifestation of the promises of God in your life. Good evening. Good evening. Thank you so much for joining the Manifesting God podcast. Again, I am your host, Prophetess Marie Elizabeth. Thank you again so much for joining me. Listen, let's get over to, let's see, let's start with, uh, I want to start with Joshua 4. But before I uh, begin, let's, let's, um, let's set this up in a manner that, you know, we're nearing the end of the year. Let's see what today is. Today is November the, what, 27th, November the 27th in 2023. And we're coming to the end of a year where there's a lot of mixed emotions. People, some people are, are overjoyed and happy, you know, to reconnect with family and whatnot. And then we have those who are going through possibly a depression, maybe they've lost some loved ones. And I want to, I basically want to um, minister to you tonight to encourage you that, encourage you that uh, while there's some tough times you've been through this year, and while there are some things uh, that you may be dealing with or walking through right now, I want you to be encouraged that God has not forgotten you. God still has a plan for your life, for your life. And whether or not that plan is fulfilled, it is your choice. It is your choice whether or not that plan actually manifests into what God has designed for your life. And yes, you may uh, be going through a hard time. And yes, you may have to make some difficult decisions. And yes, you, you know, for those of us who are walking through, uh, quote unquote, your season and everything is just wonderful in this particular season of your life. Don't forget that there are people who things are are not so great and, and they don't feel so wonderful. And I want to touch you today. I want to touch you, even those who are whose life is in its grand season as it would be. We want to make sure that it is the season that God has designed for you and not a season that you have designed for yourself. Yes. So Joshua 4. Let's uh let's let's put it in in proper context. I'm actually gonna be in Joshua 19 and Judges 18, but Joshua 4, um, basically, we're at this point. I'm referencing that because we're at the point where Joshua and team have uh Joshua and his followers have just Israelites have just um finished crossing the Jordan, right? And then um in chapter five, the circumcision happens and they pass over to Gilgal. And at that point is where um, the Lord speaks to Joshua at one of many points. And he says, make flint knives and circumcise the Israelites again. So Joshua made flint knives and he circumcised the Israelites at Gibeath Haraloth. And on verse nine, I'm skipping down. Then the Lord says today that after they're circumcised and everything today, 
I have rolled away the reproach of Egypt from you. So this place is called Gilgal to this day. And I just wanted to point that out as part of my context, because uh, theologians believe that this is very significant. And this is significant because the reproach of Egypt, their, the Israelites, their being uncircumcised made them as the uncircumcised Egyptians. And uh, the Hebrews, they, they never quite considered all those who were uncircumcised as being in a state of grotesque impurity. But now being circumcised, that reproach of impurity has been rolled away from them because what I'm saying is when they when they when they considered the Egyptians not being circumcised, that was impure to them, not realizing that they, some of them that were born in the wilderness and the elders who had were able to pass through, they actually, they actually were in an unpure, impure state themselves until the Lord instructed Joshua, who was there with those who had passed on and now with their children, basically, knew that to be a impure state. And um, this is significant for where we're going because Joshua 5 makes it clear the reason why there was a new generation born in the wilderness not just because life happened, but because the old generation, they did not obey the voice of God. And they did not take the promised land that was flowing with milk and honey. They didn't, they weren't able to receive it by faith. But this new generation that was raised up, they were raised up um, as a generation that was birthed out of another's unbelief out of their ancestors, out of their forefathers' unbelief. And that's very important for where we're going. So I want you to keep that in the back of your mind, okay? So now let's start at Joshua 18. And I'm in the New International Version. And um, it begins with talking about, in verse 1, the whole assembly of the Israelites gathered at Shiloh. And they set up the tent of meeting there. The country was bought under their control, but still, verse two says, there were still seven Israelite tribes who had not yet received their inheritance. So Joshua said to the Israelites, how long, how long are you going to wait before you begin, before you begin to take possession of the land that the Lord, the God of your ancestors, has given you. How long are you going to wait? He told them, appoint three men from each tribe, and I'm going to send them out to make a survey of the land and to write a description of it according to the inheritance of each, and then they will return to me. A point, I'm sorry, verse five says, you are to divide the land into seven parts. Judah is to remain in its territory on the south and the tribes of Joseph in their territory on the earth. Verse six says, on the north, I'm sorry, on the north. Verse six says, after you have written descriptions of the seven parts of the land, bring them here to me and I will cast lots 
before you in the presence of the Lord our God. Now I'm skipping down to verse 40, because specifically, I want to talk about the allotment for Dan, for the tribe of Dan. The seventh lot, it came out for the tribe of Dan, according to its clans. Verse 41 says, the territory of their inheritance included Zora, Estral, Ir Shemesh, Shalabin, Ajalan, Aithalah, Elon, Timnah, Ekron, El Tekah, Gibbethon, Balath, Jehud, Benubarat, Gathrimon, Me, Jacon, and Rakon, and the area facing Jopa. Verse 47 says When the territory of the Danites was lost to them, they went up and they attacked Leshem, took it, put a sword, and occupied it. They settled in Leshem and named it Dan after their ancestor. Verse 48 says, these towns and their village, village, I'm sorry, were the inheritance of the tribe of Dan according to its clans. Now, Judges 18, 131, it tells us, now listen, it tells us in the English Standard Version, Okay, so I'm going plain English. It tells us in the English standing uh, standard version in verse 18. In those days, there was no king in Israel. And in those days, the tribe of the people of Dan were seeking for itself. Seeking for itself. That is key. They were seeking for, remember now, their ancestors, their fathers, their mothers, their grandfathers died in the wilderness because they would not receive the promise of God by faith. Now, specifically, I'm talking about the tribe of Dan. The tribe of Dan was looking for a territory to occupy. They were looking for their own territory. Up to that time, no territory had been captured by them among the tribes of Israel. Now that particular verse aligns with Joshua 18 and 48, where it says, this was the land assigned to the tribe of Dan by its clans, including these cities and their towns. And then it also aligns to Judges 1 and 34. The Amorites forced the people of Dan to live in the hill country. They did not allow them to live in the coastal plain. So now we get to know how, how, how the tribe of Dan got to the point where they were looking for their own territory to occupy. Not the territory that was assigned to them, but the territory that God assigned to them. They weren't looking for that. They were looking for their own territory because in order to get the territory that God assigned to them, they would have to fight. They would have had to fight for it. Fully understanding, as Joshua told them, that whatever territory God assigned to them, yes, they would have to fight for it, but he would be with them. God would be with them. 
to win the battle to get what God assigned to them, but they did not fight for it. They did not believe in it. So they decided to take matters into their own hands and look for a territory on their own. So in this particular instance, we want to understand what does it look like when you do things your way? What are we talking about tonight? I did it my way. We're talking about, I did it my way. And what does that look like when you're doing things your way versus God's way, right? So for starters, let's consider that doing things our way, outside of God way, God's way, right, uh, begins with a lack of faith. Number one, it begins with a lack of faith. See, we're seeing here a lack of faith because God said in our reading earlier in Joshua 4.10 that Joshua told the people, this is how you will know that the living God is among you and that he will certainly drive out before you the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Hivites, the Perizzites, the Girgashites, the Amorites and the Jebusites. So the Amorites were included in that which God would drive out because God had given them that land. And remember, these are not people. The tribe of Dan are not people that are unfamiliar with the work of a living God, of the living God. Remember, they were part of those that saw the walls of Jericho fall when they followed Joshua's instruction. They were the ones that saw that wall fall when they followed instructions. Remember now, they're at a state now where they don't want to follow instructions. They're taking on the attitude of their ancestors. They don't want to fight. Can you just give it? Okay, if you can't, then I'll go find something that's easier to take over. I'll find something that's easier to, to, and, to my, and to my liking that I will take instead. See, and, and um, we have to consider, we have to consider that because they saw the walls of Jericho fall, the Lord had helped them to win the battles for the land that he would promise. He, they'd already seen it. They'd already seen their peers, the other tribes, taking over land that God had assigned them to. But for some reason, they decided that they wanted to back up. So now we're in a scenario where we're at number two. We have a lack of obedience. This is where you have to decide when Am I doing this my way or am I doing it God's way? See, because if I'm doing it my way, then that means there's a lack of faith. That means that I don't quite believe what it is I'm saying that I actually believe. My actions are saying that I don't believe what I say I believe. My actions are saying that I am not 
clear on 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 whether or not God will actually do that for me. Well, I've seen him do it for my sisters and my brothers. I've seen it, Tim, do it, Dan said, for the, the tribe and then for the other tribes. I even saw when we followed instruction through Joshua and Joshua told us to walk around the walls and on that seventh day to shout, I even saw those walls coming down. But now we're saying that I personally have to engage. There's something that I have to do to receive the promise of God. Oh, no, I must fight. Wait a minute. Not sure I want to do that. Not sure I want to do that. So now we're at a stage where we're at number two, a lack of obedience, a lack of obedience, which is birthed out of a lack of faith. It's birthed out of a lack of belief. And it plays out in verse two, where it says, so the people of Dan sent five able men from the whole number of their tribe, from Zorah and from Estral, to spy out the land and explore it. And they said to them, go and explore the land. Go and explore the land. And they came to the hill country of Ephraim, to the house of Micah, and they lodged there. See, what they sent out those men to find was something easier to take over than the land they were assigned. See, the tribe of Dan, their soldiers were only confident in taking over Laish because they felt it would be easier to subdue rather than going against the Amorites. See, Joshua's asked, and they forgot that, was why have you not taken possession of the promised promised land. And the tribe of Dan, they sent out able men from their tribe to explore rather than possess. And their exploration, their exploration alone took them to a whole nother place, put them in a whole nother position, put them in a whole nother position because they went out to explore rather than conquer. They went out to explore rather than possess. There's a difference when you go out to explore rather than possess because possess, it strictly indicates I'm going to get. I'm going out to get. Explore means I'm going out to weigh my options. I need to see what's available to me. I need to understand what exactly I need, what, what, what works for me in this particular scenario. Now, remember when I started out, I said that I really wanted to talk to those who are in this particular season of, of you know, maybe you've lost some loved ones, maybe uh, your, your, your things just aren't working on the job the way you feel, maybe life ain't lifing the way you thought it would around this time, you know, and then there's those who have made decisions and they feel like I'm in my season. I'm in my season. God is, God is blessing. God is increasing. Okay. But we want to be clear. Uh, are we in a state of depression because we're also in a state of denial? Are we feeling like God is blessing and this is my season of increase when in fact you went and found your most convenient increase because the increase that God promised you didn't want to fight for. See, I'm coming at you both. 
I'm coming down both roads because we want to be clear in this season where we're where we're celebrating. We got to be clear on what we're celebrating. And if I'm going to be depressed, I need to know what I'm depressed about. Did I do it to me? Or was it done to me? Am I really a victim or did I make some decisions that maybe got me to this point? See, because unless we're willing to be honest, unless we're willing to be honest about the current state that we're in, then it's going to lead to making more decisions that's going to make things even worse. See, what you don't want to do is be standing in front of God having this conversation. So for those of you who are thinking about two seconds away from uh, from taking my own life, let's not, let's not, let's not. Let's rethink this thing. How did I get right here? See, there's a there's a thing there's a thing where people can just miss us out of their lives, or people don't want to be bothered with you, or like. But do you? But how's your temperament? But how's your attitude? Let's own us. Let's own us. But in the same token, let's understand that maybe God is separating you so that he can give you the desires of your heart. Maybe he's separating you because he's trying to redirect you to that promised land. He doesn't want you to start taking the alternatives of others. Maybe he wants to show you what he has for you. And I want to make sure that you can see it. I want to make sure that you see that it's not over yet. It's not over yet. Even if you're where you're at because you got you there, it's still not over because God is a forgiving God. I mean, he's not like people. He will cast your sin into the sea of forgetfulness and he's never going to bring it up again. So now you just need to forgive you and walk in the light of God and let him show you the plans that he has for you, the plans he has for you. See, because when Joshua asked the tribe of Dan to, uh, you know, let's let's see, go out and it's time for you to take possession. What's keeping you from it? Let's do a little research. Let's find out what's happening. Write down, give me some specifics, bring it back to me and let's figure it out. But in the meantime, they're out exploring, trying to find something that's easier to take over. And what happened to them was number three, religious syncretism. That's what happened to them. Their means of answering his question in simplicity were to create now a religious syncretism. This is in simplicity when a different belief system or religious system are combined to create a new belief system or a new religious practice. Look at verse three and it says, when they were at the house of Micah. So now while they're exploring, they find themselves at the house of Micah. They recognized the voice of a young Levite and they turned aside and they said to him, who brought you here? What are you doing in this place? What is your business here? See, because the Levitical priest, this particular one was out of place. He was out of position. Verse four says, and he said to them, this is how Micah dealt with me. He has hired me. And I have become his priest. So he's been hired to be the priest. He doesn't know it yet, but he's there of, of religious syncretism. Com combination. You're going to take what you believe. We're going to combine it with what I believe. And we're going to produce this. 
which is the blending. I told you what that was already. And then just a sidebar here, this priest is a young man. He's living in Bethlehem. Judah decides to leave to leave there, seeking a new place to settle. Uh, he's from the tribe of Levi. We know that Judges 17 and 7. No reason for the change is really given. The Levites didn't have their own territory. We know that, Numbers 1, 49 to 53. And those not actively serving in the temple or some other type of position, they were allowed to live in one of the designated Levite cities throughout Israel or settle where the Lord led them. Deuteronomy 18, 6 and 8. That's, where we, that's how we know that. But now um, future scriptures or other scriptures, I should say, other scriptures tell us that this young man is identified, some theologians believe, as Jonathan, the grandson of Moses. I got that from Judges 18 and 30. So Micah has effectively taken what was birthed for God, the Levitical priest, and he purchased it for his purposes. But get this, by choice of the person birthed for God's purpose. He didn't just snatch. He didn't just uh, steal the Levitical priest like he stole the money from his mother. I'm talking about Micah to further continue to build his personal temple of idolatry. I'm talking about Micah. The Levite, he didn't have his own territory. We know that from Numbers 1. And when not actively serving in the temple, remember I told you, he could go. And he could, he was allowed to live in any of the Levitical cities throughout Israel or to settle where the Lord led him. But neither were the case here. Neither were the case here. And so he comes upon Micah, who already, I'll tell you the story of Micah in a minute. I'll get down to him in about a minute. But who's already basically building his own shrine of idols, his own form of idolatry. He's already now he's done bought himself a priest to seal the deal. He's basically bought himself a priest. And because the priest was allowed himself to, to be purchased, you know, now we have a case where we're at number four, a lucisory favor. We, we, we think we got this favor. It's an illusion. Illusion favor. We think that we have this favor that does not actually exist. This refers to illusory, I'm going to say it yes, illusory favor refers to false deception. It's an appearance of being favored or receiving a positive type of regard. It implies that the apparent blessing or favor is not genuine or real, but it is misleading. It is an illusion in nature, okay? It suggests a situation where someone believes they are receiving positive treatment or blessings, but in reality, it's not authentic and it's not even beneficial. You see why I'm talking to both? I'm talking to the person that's in a state possibly of depression, sadness, losing a loved one's job not working, things just not working right now. But then there's the person who thinks everything is working. But is it though? But is it though? Go to verse five and it says, and he said to them, this is what, this is what um, the, the tribe of Dan, their soldiers said, to this um this 
this priest that Micah had hired, this Levitical priest that Micah had hired, inquire of God, please, that we may know whether the journey on which we are setting out, we will succeed. And the priest said to them, go in peace. The journey on which you go under the eye of the journey on which you go is under the eye of the Lord. It never said how he arrived at that decision. It never, the Bible doesn't tell us that. But nevertheless, he said, go ahead on. The journey is under the eye of the Lord. So sidebar, again, we don't know how he how he came, how this Levitical priest came to give the soldiers that particular response. But remember now, they're at the house of Micah. They're at the house of Micah, and this is significant because Micah, Micah had what he called a house of gods, which included, and he had an ephod, he had household, um, he had household gods like idols. The story goes, the story goes that Micah stole 1,100 of pieces of silver from his mother. Right. So then his mother, when she saw that it was missing, she pronounced a curse on the thief, on the person who took it, not knowing that it was Micah. But when Micah heard her do that, that's when he confessed because he wasn't confessing before. So that's when he confessed. But she revoked the curse when he confessed. She did revoke the curse and he returned the money. Right. So uh, the story goes 200 pieces of silver, that's a portion of it she decided to dedicate to the Lord, Yahweh, right? And um, what she did with it, though, was she um, got her son two more idols made. So now he has more idols and an ephod, and then he has his other household gods that he's created, and he has the Levitical priest to seal the deal, right? I got that from um, Deuteronomy 27, 15. All of those things, all of that, all of that is mimicking. He's trying to mimic what Israel is. He's trying to mimic it. So he's trying to, um, although, if, I'm sorry, if that's not enough, he's mimicking the Levitical priesthood that he believes, he believes, he believes that he, he really believes that, you know, He's a priest, you know, so he dedicates, he dedicates one of his sons to carry out the family function. So he's, he's building, he's building, he's building, right? Not to mention, he has still has this genuine Levitical priest, right? So he believes, Micah, believes that all of this is enhancing his religious status, right? So in today's terms, in today's terms, what Michael did, what Micah did was to the Levitical priest in today's terms, he was able to offer him all the things that, you know, maybe leaders get today, you know, salary, you know, car, health insurance, uh, maybe even a retirement program, maybe even a parsonage. He was able to offer that. So think in today's terms, this is what this looked like to this to this uh, Levitical priest that he hired. I'm going somewhere, stay with me. This is what this looked like, right, to him. So the young Levite, he was willing to prostitute his calling to be a private priest for Micah, uh, the adulterer, and his second shrine, You're right? His sacred, his sacred shrine. So for the Levitical priest, you know, for the Levitical priest, this provided, number five, false security. 
So, so far, we're talking about, we're saying, we're saying, okay, we started off with just a lack of faith. Then we moved to a lack of obedience. Then we started combining different religions and different practice. Now we're religious syncretism. Then we move forward and, oh my God, now we have this illusion of favor. Doesn't exist, right? So now we're down and we got false security. This priest has false security. Verse seven says, then the five men departed and they came to Laish and saw the people who were there, how they lived in security. After the matter of the Sidonians, quiet. They were unsuspecting. They were lacking nothing that is in the earth. They had wealth. And how, and how they were far from the Sidonians and had no dealings with anyone. So they were far from the Sidonians. They didn't have any dealings with anyone. Let's see what else. They had wealth. They, let's see, they were quiet. They were unsuspecting. They were living in security. And when they came to their brothers at Zora and STO, the brother said to them, what do you report? So now we're taking back the report, right? Back to Joshua. We stand in front of them with, with everybody else to try the dead. And we say, they said, arise and let us go up against them. For we have seen the land and behold, it is very good. And will you do nothing? Do not be slow to go, to enter in and to possess the land. As soon as you go, you will come up against unsuspecting people. The land is spacious for God has given it into our hands, a place where there is no lack of anything that is in the earth. That is not what God gave them. They didn't even mention the original land. Let's go. We're going to take it. They didn't even tell the people, we're going to take this land instead of that land. They just said, this is what God has given us. Let's go. Let's go. See, the tribe of Dan they took the tribe of Dan, their soldiers, they took on the disposition of the Sidonians. They had, now listen, this is a group now, remember, in Laish, they're just sitting there, this, they got money, they got, they have wealth, I should say, not money in our time, but they had wealth, they had security, they were living their best life, right? But look at how the Dan soldiers took on what they were okay so for example for example let me go back up the people were there how they lived in security the lack of internal struggle or conflict exemplified the carnal believer so they took on they took on um they took on they started to mirror what they were about to take on before they even went there they started to take on their attitude before they even went and took over the land, just learning about them, they started to take on them. They had they had no internal struggle and they had no conflict. They had no problem, just like just like those that at that time lived in Laish. They had no internal struggle. They had no conflict. Their life 
was peaceful. Okay. They also had, it doesn't tell us anything. They were, they were wide open. So apparently they didn't have a lot of rulers. It doesn't tell us that they had any governor or anything like that. They had, they were just, they were basically, it tells us that they were quiet and unsuspecting, right? So think about them being quiet and unsuspecting. So now the tribe of Judah, they don't have, they're down, they don't have any type of, um, any type of, of consciousness that, oh my goodness, we're going to, we're going to go and destroy these people for no reason at all. And that's not even where God sent us. They're not even considering it, right? So now the tribe of Dan has a false security. Now they're just, they think they're just going to, everything's just going to be great and wonderful. We're going to go and we're going to take this land that, you know, God didn't say that land, but you know, hey, it's wide open and nobody there to stop us. So surely God must be saying, go ahead and take that. You know, surely God must be saying that. Then also the people of Laish, they had, they didn't have any genuine relationships. Remember, they had no concerns. They, they had, they were completely detached from the people around them. They had nothing. They weren't even thinking about it. And right now, the tribe of Dan, they have no spiritual engagement. They're not even thinking about what God said. All they're thinking about is, this looks easier. I'll take this. How many of us, how many of us had decided at one point or another, you know, right now you're living your best life. You're living your best season. But did you settle? Did you settle? Did you settle for what was easier? Did you settle for a land that was easier to take over? It, it, it offered it offered so much more than the fight. I mean, it offered so much more than the fight. Not realizing that at this point they've taken the tribe of Dan has literally taken on the mindset of the people that they're going to take over. They don't have any relationships at all. And tribe of Dan is about to forfeit theirs. They have no consciousness, no spiritual engagement at all. They're not even thinking about that. They're just going to take it over. Now, also, they said that these people, they were, they had wealth. They lived in peace. They lived in security. But so that means they weren't even thinking. They, they weren't even thinking that that group, that those people that lived in Laish, the land they were going to take over, they weren't even thinking they were going to be invaded. They weren't even thinking. So they were in this tranquil place that now the tribe of Dan is in. They have a deceptive form of tranquil tranquility. Everything is just great. God is blessing them. I'm increasing because now you have a deceptive tranquility. All of this, all of this. You know, the, the lack of conflict, no, no internal struggle for what you're about to do. No, um, no type of consciousness, you know, very carnal at this point. No, um, no um, spiritual engagement, no genuine relationships, no, uh, no type of, um, no type of, uh, of, of fear of being invaded. You don't think that they're going to fight back or anything. So you just, in this whole deceptive form of tranquility that now leads you to number six, I think you're in a paradoxical state, a paradoxical state that describes a situation or a condition where it's contradictory, where contradictory elements exist. It's an expression used to convey inconsistencies. 
contradictions, such like, such like in verse 11. So 600 men of the tribe of Dan, armed with weapons of war, they set out to Zora and Espel. They went right on out. They went forth. They went up. They encamped of Kiriath, Jerim, and Judah. On this account, the place is called Mahane, then to this day, behold, it is west of Kiriath, Jerim, and they passed on from there to the hill country of Ephraim and came to the house of Micah. 600 men, 600 men armed with weapons of war. They assembled, this is now, so they assembled 600 men to fight for the city of Laish in the land of the tribe of Ephraim. That wasn't even their allotment. Yet they could not fight for the land that God allotted. Right? They didn't want to fight for that. They wanted to take the easy route, the easy route, right? So they began to lean into this paradoxical state with, by stealing useless idols and a priest of what wasn't even God's, you know, the Levitical priest who, who, who Micah bought, you know, in verses 14 and 20, 14 through 20, where it says, then the five men who had gone out to scout the country of Laish said to their brothers, do you know that in these houses there are an ephod, household gods, a carved image, a metal image? Now, therefore, consider what you will do. Let's think about this. What should we do about that? And they turned aside, because remember, they have no consciousness, no spiritual engagement at this point. They, they haven't even taken over the land yet, but they started walking towards taking over what God did not say they could have. And they've already taken on the mindset of what they decided they want, right? So they now are back at Micah's house. They're going back past it. And they're like, hmm, you got all these gods in there, these carved in metal images. He has all these household gods. Hmm, you got an ephod in there. What, do we, what should we do about that? And they turned aside there and they came to the house of a young Levite, the young Levite at the home of Micah and asked him about his welfare. Now the 600 men of the Danites armed with their weapons of war stood by the entrance of the gate. And the five men who had gone to scout out the land went up, entered and took the carved image, the ephod. They took the household goods and they took the metal image while the priest stood by the entrance of the gate with 600 men armed with weapons of war. So now not only not only are we are we living our best paradoxical life. We just kind of, we just far left and far right at the same time, right? Not only are we there, but now we're thieves. Now we're thieves, right? So verse 18 says, and when these went into Micah's house and took the carved image, the ephod, the household gods and the metal image, the priest said to them, "What are you doing?" And they said to him, keep quiet, put your hand on your mouth and come with us and be to us a father and a priest. So we ain't even considering God at this point. You know, Micah bought a priest, so I'm thinking we're going to buy us a priest too. Is it better for you to be the priest 
of the house of one man or to be the priest to a tribe and a clan in Israel. And the priest's heart was glad. He took the ephod and the household gods and the carved image and went along with the people. So the priest's heart was glad. His heart was glad because he had mercenary ambition. Mercenary ambition. So now they turned him. Not only, not only did they go in and start stealing and, and, and offer him a better job, but he even bought all of Micah's stuff right with him. He took everything, whatever they left behind, he picked it right up. So the priest's heart was glad. He was filled with mercenary ambition. He was just out for the biggest paycheck he could get. The Levite did not care about Micah only for the pay and the status that he might get for being a priest to the whole tribe versus a household, although neither worshiped purely the true and the living God. So he was just out for a paycheck. So for those that don't have, going through the slight phase of going through what you're going through, are you without because you chose God? Are you without because you chose God in the things of God? Because you chose to wait? Because you chose the way? Because God's promises await you. If you can wait on it, his promises do await you. I know it might be a little tough, a little tight, a little lonely right now, but his promises are waiting on you. You can put the gun down. You can put the drugs you were thinking about ODing on the side. God's promises are waiting on you. And for those who have living their best life and they're in their best season and God is raining down favor on you, is it God's favor or are you in the position of this priest? Look around. Look around. Any handmade idols in your place? Any handmade idols? Any human-made idols in your place? The wrong choice. God is calling you back to him. There is still time. There is still time. If you're under the sound of my voice, there is still time. I know your heart is glad. I know it seems like you got everything you ever wanted, but the cost for what you well, for what you're going to the cost that, that is going to be to you for everything that you think that you have gained. I promise you, you are not willing to pay. We started off. We started off with uh, uh, talking about Joshua and how you know he said, "When are you going to take over what God has called you to 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 to, to have the promise that God." Has you, when are you going to go for that thing? When are you going to grab hold of that thing? The thing that God said, the thing that God promised. But the lack of faith, the lack of faith led them to a lack of obedience. The lack of obedience led them to religious syncretism. So now we're just going to combine everything so we can get to that end state. Maybe perhaps we can find something that we can mimic God's favor toward us. So now we have favor of an illusion. Now we just have illusion, a loose, a loose story 
favor, right? And then we move from there to false security. Now we think everything's just grand, not realizing that we have just sold our soul. And now we're in a paradoxical state. We're far left things. We're far right. There's too many. There's a lot of inconsistencies. There are a lot of contradictions in what? And what we say is God and what the word of God calls God, what his word calls himself. So now we're stealing. So now we're stealing and we're aligning ourselves with that which is false, that which will give us that payday that we require, that payday that we think we need. But can I tell you, if you're under the sound of my voice, it's not too late to turn around. It's not too late to make a different decision. There are, listen, we make thousands, I, I believe, of decisions a day. Thousands of decisions a day. You can turn around now. You have time to turn around now. I know it's lonely. I know your loved one is gone. I know you're sad. I can't even, I can't even imagine the hurt that you must feel right now. I know others have turned away from you. Listen, I know you're scared. I know you're scared. But can I, can I tell you that that God has his hands extended towards you just for you, just for you. His promises over your life are simply yes, but he needs your amen. He needs your amen. Can you give God an amen today? Can you agree with God today that he's going to turn it around? I didn't say you're not going to cry another day. You might cry tomorrow. You might cry when I hang up this. You might cry a week from now. You might feel sad again. But just like you made this decision to choose God and to trust God and to lean into his promises, rather your own understanding, make that decision again. Make that decision as many times as you need to. If you have to go day by day, then make that decision every day. If you have to go hour by hour, make that decision hour by hour. If you got to go every minute, then make the decision every minute. Every minute you have to, because the enemy is going to try and turn you because the enemy wants your soul. I'm fighting for your soul. I'm fighting for your belief. I'm fighting for your faith, for your faith. Turn around, make the decision to wait on God, to trust God and keep making that decision every minute if you had to. No, you're not going to get it all right. No, you're not going to be perfect, but make the decision again because God honors your decision. And for those who think that this is it for me, God has blessed me beyond, make sure that it's God blessing you and not you blessing you. Still not too late to turn around. Still not too late to let it go. Still not too late to turn back to God. Repent, that would be. Still not too late because God is calling you. If you're under the sound of my voice, he's talking to you. Yup, you, yup, you. Yup, turn, stop, stop what you're doing. Turn around, listen, listen, listen. God is calling you. He's calling you. 
If you're under the sound of my voice, God is calling you. He's here to save and deliver you. He doesn't want you to allow the enemy to use you another minute as a weapon against you. As a weapon against you. So many times we go through so many different things in our lives. And those experiences, uh, they, they put us in a position, if we can't, if we can't stand back and look at the lesson of the experience, then we're put in a position where we're almost uh, the, the experience takes us over and we can't go or grow past that experience. But God is calling you out of your experiences. He's calling you out of that. You are supposed to get the lesson and then come out. You're trying to drag it along. You know, the experience is not you. It's not who you are. It's not who you are. You were supposed to learn something and then move forward past it. So look back for a second. What did you learn? Jot a note down and move on. Reflect on, make that note, make, take that stone, leave it there as a memory of remembrance. Hey, this is what I learned when I went through A, B, and C, and D. But you don't have to die there. Don't let nobody make you think that you have to die there. You must and will live to declare the works, the words, the birth of the Lord Jesus Christ. It is not, God is not intended for you to die in that experience. I don't care how old you are. I don't care how young you are. Change your mind. Change your mind. You can be who God called you to be. No matter what the day brings, tomorrow, the day after, I'm putting it in your spirit. You will be what God called you to be. If you have to make the decision over and over again to choose God, make the decision. One day you're going to find out, oh my goodness, I only had to make this decision once in five minutes. Oh my goodness, I only had to make the decision, remake the decision once in a week. Once in a week, oh my goodness, the whole year went by and I didn't have to remake that decision. I stayed committed to that decision the whole year. What am I telling you? It gets better day by day. It gets better day by day. You're going to fix your mind on God. You're going to fix your mind on the things of God and you're going to begin to grow in God's will and in God's purpose. And then God is going to use you for his glory. There is nothing that you have done that will that God will not forgive and no experience, no time has been wasted. You are right where you're supposed to be when you're supposed to be there. I promise you, you're right where you're supposed to be and you got there right when you're supposed to be there. Amen, amen, I agree, I agree. Come on, let's give God glory in this place in this place let me pray for you before i let you go god in the name of jesus i thank you today i thank you for everyone who's under the sound of my voice i thank you that you're pricking their conscience now i thank you that you're increasing their discernment now i thank you god that you are opening their eyes so they can see what man-made idols they have created what human-made idols they have created and put in the place of you. I thank you, God, that you're reestablishing relationship with them. I thank you, God, that you're calling them closer to you. I thank you, God, that you're rescuing them from themselves. I thank you that you're rescuing them from their experiences. I thank you, God, that you call them to walk in the plan that you have for them. And I pray, God, today that you will use them for your glory. I pray, God, a blood-covered hedge of protection around those that are depressed, those that are 
sat, those that are sat in this season. I pray a blood covered hedge of protection around those that are deceived to not even know that they themselves have gotten themselves a victory. I pray, God, that you will open their eyes, open their understanding, enlighten it, God, that they might know the hope that they have in you and what you called them and what you planned for them. In Jesus' name, I pray. In Jesus' name, I pray. In Jesus' name, I pray. I thank you so much for joining me today. And if you would like to donate to this podcast, the information is at the bottom of your screen. Until next week, don't let go. Don't let go. I don't care what happens. Make the decision over and over again to not let go. But don't let go because God's got a plan for you. Just for you. It's just for you. Take care and have a good night. I'm praying for you. I'm praying for you. Thank you.